And that's always been something that people have said about our band that it's like, oh, you know, you guys play this brutal metal music and like you guys aren't brutal metal dudes. And it's like, no, we're, we're not. Like we just play this because that's what we enjoy playing. We, we like playing music that makes other people want to fight. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Psychoactivision Presents. I'm your host, Peter Strickland, and uh, we're really excited to have you here for another great interview. Before we get started, I wanted to ask if you're uh, watching on YouTube, please like this video, subscribe to our Psychoactivision channel. We've got some great playlists with uh, psychedelic music videos, uh, all sorts of things like that that you guys can enjoy. And uh, we, can, we also have an audio version of this uh, podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Uh, if you're on there, please rate and review us. We'd really appreciate it. For today's episode, we have one of my... Uh, he, he's a drummer that I've worked with in the past. Uh, he's the drummer for uh, the band Subdivisions in Atlanta, and I'm really excited to have him here, Will Harold. Good for having me. Thanks, glad to, glad to be here. Good to see you after yeah, uh, all this time. Yeah, the last time we saw each other, uh, we were talking about this earlier, was uh, like exactly two years ago when um, I filmed, uh, and we, had, you know, I had a photographer also help out. Uh, taking some photographs of y'all at 529. That was a fun show. Yeah, that was actually the last show that we played right before the COVID shutdown. Uh, I'm glad that we got to do it, but uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, like a last hurrah that we didn't really realize was happening at that given point in time. But no, definitely good to see you after yeah. uh, after right about two years. So Yeah, I mean, um, that really, you know, COVID messed a lot of people up. Uh, I remember the, I think uh, y'all... I can't remember. Did y'all like y'all maybe even tried to book me for a show that I think you did. You were you said you had another show coming up that you wanted to like get me to shoot or something, and then it got I don't know. I, I feel like maybe that maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking about some someone else. But I, there were a lot of bands that I had booked right when COVID happened, and I remember like within one week I had, like three or four like events I was going to shoot, and they all just got you know canceled. So that's kind of yeah. It's kind of a blur at this point in time because we. Leading up to that show we played at 529, we had played three shows in about four weeks. Mm -hmm. And those were the first shows that we had played since uh, our band had come back from being on, on like a two-year hiatus. So we were like, all right, cool. We were playing different, different gigs. We played one in Gainesville. We played one in Gwinnett. And then we played the 529 show. Uh, and then I think it was like two weeks after that. Everything was shut down, so it was like, well, it was fun that we got, you know, those couple shows in, but, uh, you know, because we had released an EP back in, like, December of 2019, and those were, like, really the only shows that we were able to kind of play in support of that, so it's like we dropped this EP and didn't really get to do much in the way of support for it, but uh, fortunately, things are, you know, kind of getting more back to normal now so and then that and that's what matters i guess so the ep you're talking about is hilldale correct yeah we recorded that um back in 2019 with uh drew garaheim and burden studios good good friend of ours shout out drew uh yeah and we put it out back i think it was december 13th of 2019 uh and a lot of the songs on there we had started writing prior to uh when the band did uh did about a two-year hiatus um, and then we ended up, you know, 
getting it recorded, uh, and uh, we had gotten um, a, a, a new guitar player in the band, Lee Christensen, who's actually still playing with us now. So we kind of got him back up to speed and, you know, did that and then had booked a couple shows in support for it and then life. So, yeah, I I, I mean, a quick, uh, you know, I know like uh, your story just then kind of ended, you know, on a bad note, like everyone's did with COVID. It's like, well, COVID kind of messed everything up. But I wanted to compliment and say that I think Hilldale is my favorite like music, recorded music that I've heard from y'all. Thank you. So thank like, you. I just think the production quality was great. The songwriting was awesome. It like, when I've listened to y'all's music, that's the one I go to and I go that as a project, I like it the most. Uh, I think that it's safe to say that uh, the rest of the guys in the band, uh, myself included, would be in agreement with that. Uh, Cause I mean, we've been doing what we've been doing with subdivisions since like 2009 is when we yeah. started. And we've gone through many different uh, you know, uh, versions of members in the band. And uh, this is kind of what's kind of clicked the best as far as for what we're trying to do. Luckily, um, any of the past members that we've had in the band, we're all still extremely close with. It was never like a bad blood kind of thing. Uh, but as I've come to learn and be familiar with over the, the course of this, like being in a band is hard and having the longevity of trying to keep keep relevant and then also uh, keep creating and having that same sense of uh, motivation and whatnot. Uh, it's a lot easier said than done. But uh, luckily for me, uh, the, the core foundation of the band, myself, Brian Nichols, uh, one of the guitar players, and then Joe Przorski, our vocalist, uh, the three of us have been best friends for about 20 years now. So we all consider each other like you know, yeah, we're bandmates. Yeah, we're best friends, but we're we're family. Yeah, like each of our families consider that you know each other to be members of the family. So that kind of makes it a little bit more easy, but then also difficult in the same sense. But I, w I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Real quick, because I forgot to do this right when we first started. Uh, go ahead and promote your band's Instagram, your personal Instagram, or you know anything. Uh, we, I mean, we mentioned Hilldale, but. Uh, you know, tell people where they can find you on social media or Spotify or um, if you have a show coming up or something like sure. that, that'd be great to promote. Uh, yeah, I'll just cover all bases. So um, we are, our Facebook is just sub subdivisions hyphen GA. Um, we do a lot more of our regular posting via Instagram, which is just at subdivisions GA. Uh, my personal Instagram is uh, underscore Billy underscore duh underscore kid. Uh, and that's mainly like, I'll do a lot of like reshare the band stuff. I'll do just me screwing around drum videos, uh, pointless memes, you know, just the normal <laughs> stuff for you uh, share great memes. Like I, like I really do enjoy them. I mean, I, the, I often find them being ones that I also saw myself or that I've like, I enjoyed, you know, elsewhere. So that's, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. It's uh, kind of one of those things. It's just like. I kind of use my personal social media as just a mindless platform for whatever makes my dumbness just laugh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and sure. I just think, hey, maybe somebody else will uh, will get a, a little chuckle and just shake their head and yeah, in disappointment or whatever. <laughs> but uh, but no, and then uh, our Spotify is just subdivisions. Um, that's where we we're on all major platforms, but that's kind of the one that we push the most, just because we know. A lot of um, our listeners, that's what's used the most. 
And then also we have a YouTube channel uh, where we've got a bunch of archived old videos. Uh, we've got our two most recent videos that uh, we recorded videos with um, with uh, Josh Thompson Media. Another shout out to Josh Thompson. He's been doing great work. He's been uh, killing it lately with all, all the different bands that he's been doing, mm -hmm. that he's been working with. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, main, but at the, at the point in time that this video is going to come out, the big show that we're pushing, uh, we are making our return to the drunken unicorn, uh, that is on Saturday, March 26th. Uh, we're playing with sadistic ritual, uh, black mass, which is actually a touring band from Boston and crypt. Uh, and, um, I could be wrong, but I believe it's the first metal show that they are going to be doing at the Drunken Unicorn since COVID. Hmm. And I believe that I've heard that they've redone the stage since they were doing shows last. So uh, needless to say, we're very much so looking forward to it because uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the Drunken Unicorn before. We've, Long time ago, yeah. we've played there a couple times, but we always make the joke whenever we play a Drunken Unicorn. Uh, afterwards, we always go and get weird at MGQ, right? <laughs> but uh, no, we, we uh, did an EP release back there a couple years ago. I filled in for my old roommate's band opening for the band He Is Legend. That was the last time I had played there which was i think in 2019 I, it was either 2018 or 2019 but uh definitely one of my more favorite venues in the in the metro mm -hmm. area so looking forward to that tickets are 18 bucks if you go onto our uh instagram you will be able to find a link to where you can purchase tickets but we are very very excited for that awesome awesome um i've only been there once uh for uh the band have you ever heard of the band crumb yeah they, they they played there. That was a really awesome show. But that was you know like you said the the stage is different apparently now. And uh, I thought that was an awesome venue though. It was very uh it felt like a literal hole in the wall. Yeah, like you're well, going into a cave or something. Yeah, it's very intimate. Um, you know it kind of was always uh, the joking kind of matter because it's like across the road from Murder Kroger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, right. You know within like a rock throw of the old six nine five North Avenue masquerade. Um, but I mean, aside from, and once again, I don't know how the stage setup is now, but they used to have the stage and then there was like a green room back behind where there was the bathrooms and, uh, it didn't really leave a lot of area for, uh, bands being able to like set up their gear. Uh, but I believe they moved it, the stage up to, uh, like what was the back area. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it regardless of how the setup is because yeah. it's, it's always a treat playing there. Um, yeah, just like you said, a hole in the wall, but just great fun place. Sound is awesome. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it most definitely. Nice. So kind of backtracking a little bit, because I want to talk about the origins of subdivisions. Um, let's start, though, before that, because I'm sure that, the you know, subdivisions was not like the first thing you ever did. Uh, where are you from originally and how did you start playing music? Uh, did, and do you play other instruments, by the way, other than just playing drums? Uh, okay. Um, well, I was born and raised. I'm a Northside baby. So uh, I'm born and raised. I lived in Stone Mountain up until the time I was three. And then I moved to Lilburn, which is actually where I live still now currently 
Um, I started playing music when I was in fifth grade. I played the alto saxophone. I did that all through middle school. Started playing a drum, started playing drums when I was a freshman in high school um, with the intention of uh, I wanted to uh, join the Parkview High School, my alma mater's drumline. Um, given my ability to play other instruments, uh, my band director was like, nay, uh, I wasn't really necessarily the best behaved kid when I was uh, in high school either. So he was like, we need tuba players. We need people in low brass. Mm-hmm. You want to spend the summer to learn to teach yourself how to play? And I was like, well, not really, but okay, I guess. <laughs> so like I did that. I played, you know, different instruments in school band. And then I played drums after school. So um, I did that and I played sports through like about 10th grade. And that was 10th grade. The, well, the summer before 10th grade is when I actually met uh, Brian Nichols, one of the other guitar players of Subdivisions, he hit me up on AOL Instant Messenger because we had a mutual friend. And at that point, I had been playing drums for about a year. That was like, he was like, hey, do you know any drummers? He had been playing guitar for about two years at that point. She mentioned me. So he hit me up on AOL Instant Messenger. This would have been the summer of 2000. Nice. Or no, no, excuse me, 2001. And uh, we, he was like, yeah, like, you know, my mom will bring me and uh, our bass player over. And uh, we jammed on like some Offspring and some Nirvana songs. And then that was the first like carnation of the band that i was in it was called brain freeze we played a bunch of like green day and blink 182 that's a cool band name i like that name uh yeah well it it, we had probably about five or six before we neared neared (laughs) yeah yeah and then we played one show under that band which was like just the most god-awful thing in the world Uh, (laughs) but uh after that um you know brian and i continued jamming together and then it was just kind of a matter of finding the right combination of uh of musicians and then i ended up going to school at georgia southern down in statesboro and then i came back for the first summer and uh we had gotten drew garaheim to start playing other guitar for us along with um ian bowling who i had gone to state who i had gone to southern with um who was also a, a close friend of ours he started playing bass so uh we started a band called watch it bleed uh, which is essentially what subdivisions became. So we did that through about the time that I graduated from Georgia Southern, which was end of 2008. And then 2009, we went through a couple different member changes. And then we switched the name of subdivisions. And uh, around that point, we played our first official show in January of 2010. at Swayze's in Marietta. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that place. It was kind of... Uh, both notorious and infamous as uh-huh. far as uh, in the Metro Atlanta area. It was great because it was a uh, venue to where they gave like whomever the opportunity to play there. And it was just a little hole in the wall kind of put on the place anyways. But uh, that was kind of what helped things kind of take off for us. Uh, and fast forward here we are now and, uh, you know, still putting new music out, still doing it. But um yeah, Brian, Brian Nichols and I, we kind of, from the time that we were about 15 or so, we were bound by, like, that's my guitar player. I'm his drummer. Nice. And I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, he is a virtuoso, in my opinion, when it comes to his methodology for composition and how things make sense when he's playing. And... Uh, I'm I'm just I'm grateful and thankful that uh, I still get the opportunity to create with him. Yeah. Uh, because he just he blows my mind. So. 
That's awesome. And honestly, I'm kind of jealous when I hear people talk about that kind of partnership because I've never met, like, I'm also a drummer and I've never met a, like a, a person that, so like, you know, being a drummer, I'm sure you can relate to this. You primarily think of things rhythmically. And so it's like when you're writing, you, you probably don't quite have the melodic mind that someone who, you know, is mainly on guitar does. At least that's how, that's how I am. I feel like I'm uh, a lot more rhythmically minded and I just don't really know what's even going on with songwriting when it comes to like what chords or melodies or anything like that. But anyway, I've always kind of been jealous of people who do find someone that they're like, that person plays, you know, like this drummer plays what the guitar player wants and the guitar player plays what the drummer wants. That's awesome. That's really nice to hear that you guys like have that kind and it's been for so long. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just kind of a matter. Like I've always referred to Brian as like a riff master because mm -hmm. he, his ability to just be able to come up with riffs, like just at the drop of a hat is mind blowing. Yeah. Um, so you know, I kind of try and go half and half with the, the rhythmically based. Um, I kind of think more in terms of syncopation. Yeah. Uh, going along with uh, with the rhythm bass because, um, you know, as a drummer, getting dialed in with the bass player, it's extremely important. Extremely important. Mm -hmm. um, so having that separate communication, but also being able to help kind of feed off what Brian's kind of got in mind and he's got a certain thing in mind as far as what we're doing and like we'll be able to communicate with each other non-verbally and uh you know it just kind of comes together and it just kind of makes it like that much more cool in that sense mm -hmm. but don't get me wrong it's not always uh it's not always fun in games because sometimes <laughs> sometimes when writer's block hits it, it hits really hard I and, get it yeah and you're just kind of like what are, where are we going to go from here? What are we going to... Especially gonna when you do? have like half a song written and then you're like, we can't just... Like we have to write more of the song, but we like it, you don't know where to go with it. Yeah, so... Uh, but yeah, we've uh, managed to kind of co combat the, the main issues that we have with that. And uh, luckily as of lately, especially with the new music that we've been writing, we've kind of gotten into a groove mm -hmm. uh, to where if we kind of feel us kind of hit that wall we just kind of like avoid it altogether mm -hmm. uh, and we'll shift to doing something else we'll come back around to it or something or we'll do like maybe three or four different parts as far as different parts of songs and then it's just a matter of kind of piecing them together to where we deem like oh that's cool or mm -hmm. that will work or whatnot so but it's uh it's definitely a process yeah I totally understand. Yeah. So my next question is about your specific influences sure. as a drummer, but also as a musician. What music do you, would you say that you would point to as like your influence for what you play in subdivisions? And then what would you say is music that you, your favorite music, uh, aside from stuff that's your influence, you know, just that you enjoy listening to? Sure. Um, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say that uh, this is probably a bit of a loaded question, but okay. I will 110% answer. So what's kind of funny about playing drums in a band like Subdivisions, I've heard us kind of referred to as a bunch of different genres. genres. We kind of give somewhat of a basis of somebody's, you know, kind of wanting to know, like, okay, what, what are you guys like? But um, 
I was kind of brought up, and when I started playing drums, I was all about I was all about punk rock. Mm -hmm. So that's still probably mainly what I listen to the most. Uh, the Descendants are probably my favorite band in the world. Uh, I'm a huge Blink 182 fan. I love the Misfits. Mm -hmm. I love the Ramones. You know, and and playing drums in like a metal kind of band, which is kind of you know, namely what I would say subdivisions is. Uh, we've kind of got you know like the influences that. Army and because like if you ask each of the five guys of the band, we would all say probably five different things. But just as kind of a, a basis for it, um, probably Metallica is a big mm -hmm. one. Um, Between the Buried and Me, a lot of our early uh, our early music uh, was very reminiscent of that kind of very dynamic and all over the place. Early era Thrice uh, is a huge influence. Poison the Well, we're big into like early 2000s, uh, like metalcore, hardcore. Uh, Converge is another big one. Glassjaw. Um, Rush is a huge, huge, hence the band name, Subdivisions. Um, well, I was going to like throw that out there. I sometimes, while y'all have a metal sound and a metal style, there's like some mathy stuff going on every now and then, especially like with some triplet kind of rhythm rhythms where I, I'm kind of like, this feels like a like a heavy rush, like you know. Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you. I, I mean, I I, uh, I I hope that's a compliment. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Um, Brian, like as as long as I've known him, Rush has always been like his very very favorite band, and mm -hmm. I, I I've gotten the opportunity. We've gone and seen them. You know, I think I saw me and Brian saw him about three times. He's seen him more than that, uh, which fortunately. Um, we were able to see him prior to the death of Neil Peart, which, uh, rest in peace, um, but huge influence on that. But Brian, he's loved Rush as, as long as I've known him, and he was the one who actually uh, originally suggested the name Subdivisions, and it was like, well, you know, it's not like one of those names that's like overly brutal or trying too hard. It's kind of up, it's like kind of ambiguous, and it's up yeah. for interpretation. So, um you know, I, I would kind of say that Brian is the one that kind of pushed that, but I'm glad that he did um, because, I mean, obviously they're one of the best rock and roll bands to ever exist. As far as uh, other bands, uh, I got to shout out Iron Maiden because that's Joe's very favorite band in the world. Um, our, our bass player, James Ashworth, he's huge into, he listens to a lot of like David Bowie and Depeche Mode mm -hmm. and like... Bauhaus and the Cure kind of stuff. Nice, yeah. So yeah, we're kind of all over the place. I would say probably uh, for me personally, in addition to all the other bands that I've mentioned, the bands that kind of go along mostly with Subdivisions style, uh, Every Time I Die, which is another band that recently broke up, Rest in Peace, Buffalo Represent. Um, and uh, probably the last album that's been put out in the past year that I can't say anything bad about uh, the new Turnstile record, Glow On. It's mind-blowing because, like, that band, like, I listened to them before, and it's like they were, you know, what I consider to be, like, a good hardcore band, and they've just completely expanded on what they were doing. They've worked a lot of different uh, percussive instruments into what they're doing, and, like, last week they were on, like, Late Night with Jimmy Kimmel. For a hardcore band, like that's, that's crazy. Un that's unheard yeah, of, yeah, that, that is crazy. Uh, so I would say, as far as what they're doing, um, I respect it utmost because it's like, you know, being in a band for a long time and like trying to figure out the next big thing, 
uh, and not just, you know, putting out the same old crap. It's not, it, it's not easy. It's way, Absolutely. uh, yeah, way easier said than done. Um, but, uh, kind of seeing what they're doing and working it into what we're doing. Uh, and I guess maybe trying to take like a less is more kind of approach to mm -hmm. things like, you know, don't overthink things because that's what kind of can, can sabotage it. You know, if, if it's like easy enough and it sounds good and you think other people will like it, you know, yeah, try and outdo yourself, but also just keep it simple, stupid. Like, you know, you always yeah, hear that yeah, acronym, yeah. acronym, the KISS, and it's yeah. like, I mean, it's, it's easy, like, you know, because if it sabotaging yourself is easy in in the sense to where like you overthink things too much and it's just like no just have fun with it that's what it's supposed to be absolutely yeah um i uh i totally get that and honestly i've like known musicians in the past who they overthink releasing an album or what you know like uh, a tour poster or something to the point where they delay it getting released on time or they uh, they kind of disappoint their fans because they're waiting. Or, I mean, and, and I think that, you know, while you should be picky in a way about like how you, your aesthetics and how you represent your band and everything, I think there's a lot of people who are way too, it's almost like in their head or pretentious about it. They just, they, they keep thinking, well, how, how's everyone gonna perceive me? And you should think that way, but at the same time, it shouldn't get in the way of you releasing stuff. Because how many musicians have you known, and I've known, I've known a lot, and I mean, I've even been this way, who you have a good idea for maybe a solo project or like a band or a song or anything, but then you go, oh, but, you know, they just kind of get in their own head and they're like, they defeat themselves before. And then they, you end up going, well, I'm not even going to start working on that because like, I'm not even going to start writing that song or writing the lyrics for it because people are going to think it's dumb. And you, yeah. you, you get anxious about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways of self-sabotage that can be detrimental because it's like you know you're not necessarily trying to reinvent the wheel uh yeah you want to be marketable in a sense to where you know it makes sense uh and it's gonna do what you set out to try and accomplish it to do um but if you overthink it so much so to where it prevents you from even wanting to do anything at all like you're kind of missing out you know and uh i mean it's something that we deal with because like you know the the age of social media that we're in with being in a band like they don't make it easy for being i mean I'm, i know you know for being an artist like uh i won't you know name the the platforms but it's like just to be able to get people to see something you post, if it's like a show coming out or a video, it's like, how how do we push this without having to drop a ton of money on it that we don't have nor are willing to try and do for it? And, you know, that's why a lot of what we do is word of mouth. I'll do a lot of like band promotion, like on my personal social media, because it's like the people that are interested in wanting to see that and we'll get the information that, uh, you know, is, is trying to be put out, out there. Um, those are the ones that are going to appreciate it the most. We try and do uh, a, a pretty decent enough job of distributing how we go about doing these, these methods of 
online promotion. Uh, Lee does a lot with like our graphic design and uh, getting merchandise printed. Um, Brian does a lot in the way of the online promotion. He does a lot like on Instagram and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, it's funny, me and Joe are kind of the ones that are more inclined to kind of be out in the scene. Like we'll go to local shows and like, yeah, we'll, you know, be like, Hey, we're playing, you know, such and such the, this date and come on out. But we're kind of more like the street crew. Yeah. It's funny to say because like we're in the band, but, uh, I think that it's important for people to like put faces with the names that can associate with the band. And it's like, you know, we don't take ourselves seriously by any means. And like, we like to think that we're fairly approachable in that sense. So, you know, we're, we're doing this for fun. We're in a dumb metal band. Like, you know, we, yeah, we yeah. do it because we're at, we're at the point that we've been doing it for so long that we can't really picture not doing it mm -hmm. in this sense of it. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, just not getting too much into your head, not letting the self-sabotage uh, even be, uh, a possibility in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. So in full disclosure, I have been kind of off and on into heavier music in my life. Sure. When I was in like middle school, like, uh, probably seventh through like ninth grade or so, I was really into, I was really into like a lot of screamo. I got into, some metal, like, uh, I really, I love System of a Down. That was like my favorite band for a long time. And my brother, uh, had an iPod that I would, you know, borrow when I was like mowing the grass and I would listen to like My Chemical Romance. They're not, I mean, they're kind of not really, they're kind of heavy, but you know, not, I wouldn't really put, they're not metal or anything. But I think my point is I like fell away from listening to heavier music for a few years and I don't really know exactly why I list, I hung out with a lot of people who listened to like, jazz and psychedelic music and a lot of those people were very uh judgmental about like heavier music and honestly i was too and and i and i kind of look back on myself going you could have enjoyed yourself a lot more if you had like not you know but anyway my point is getting back into heavier music within the past few years my main exposure to it has been through uh doing video and photos for bands like subdivisions um, one of my biggest things was I did, uh, I shot video for a rip production at, uh, uh, their mass destruction metal fest a couple years ago. And the thing that I guess struck me the most, and it's not like I, you know, didn't know this, but it was seeing it firsthand was what, uh, was so funny to me. I would see these brutal, brutal, just death metal bands that were just like, Rah! you know, on stage that were ridiculously heavy. Like, for example, one of them was called Nunslaughter. And uh, <laughs> dude, they, have you ever heard Nunslaughter? Uh, maybe at one point. They, so That's a great band name. I know for, okay, so check this out. This is, I love this story because I texted my, like, uh, uh, I grew up, uh, in a fairly religious family. So like I've, I've found this hilarious. Cause I'm like, my parents would shit themselves. But basically I, I, I was filming this metal show and the band is like, Hey, we're nun slaughter. And, and they were all very demonic, uh, makeup on and everything. All of their songs were just themed around how Christianity sucks. Like it was hilarious because like they had a song literally where they were like, this next song is called, I hate Christians. And I was like, 
there's no subtext here. Oh, this, no. this is, yeah, yeah. It's, it's literally like exactly. Yeah, what you see is what you get. Exactly. That, yeah. and, but then, and, and all I really remember about the song was it, 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 like if I were to sing it, it would just be like, I hate Christians. And then it just kind of did that. That's all I really remember. But anyway, I remember that, that was like one of the first bands that played at that festival. And I was like, oh, holy shit, this is going to be brutal. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> so throughout the night, though, I saw um, Demolition Hammer. I saw like several like, really like just really, really heavy bands that and I, I had to wear earplugs because it was like killing my ears being that close and everything. Yeah. Filming that festival, though, really kind of that was a few months before I met y'all. And that really made me go, you know, you should just like try opening up and listening to more stuff because it, it's I, I kind of got away from being judgmental, which I'm so happy about because I hate feeling like an asshole. But um, my point is like uh, I, I've gone all through all of this just to be able to tell you those bands would be like seeming like super nasty and grimy on stage. They would literally be like ah, making these faces to the crowd. And then I was backstage next to the green room and I would see them interacting with each other and they'd be like, Oh, hey, what's up, man? Yeah. Hey, brother, I love you, man. Oh, are your kids here? You know, and I'd be like, this is blowing my mind because it's not that I believe the onstage persona, but do you understand what I mean? That I was just like, oh, like, Peter, you're an asshole because for all these years, you probably were believing the onstage persona to be that's who they really are or something. And then all you had to do was go, no, this is like a character that's being played. Some of them are probably really like that, but I think... Y'all are a good example of that too, because you kind of already mentioned this. Y'all play some really heavy music. Like, when, you know, I, I've only seen you live once, but like, uh, y'all's music is pretty heavy. And I mean, if, if my mom were to listen to it, she would be like, I can't. Like, because <laughs> that's no offense to y'all, she just doesn't like screaming and music. My parents do the same. Exactly. Even so, to this day. So. It, yeah. And, and it's one of those things you're like, mom, dad, you'll never understand, you know? But, um, but anyway, it's just funny to me that. Uh, I'm sure that that's something. Do you have any kind of way to relate to that? Like, oh, yeah, you, like y people judging you based on what the music sounds like, and then they meet you and they're like, "You're a really nice guy," or something. And well, I, I think that it's a common misconception. Um, but it's so funny because like people who actually know us and interact with us on a regular basis, they kind of know exactly how it is. Like, so what's funny about our band is. James Ashworth, Brian Nichols, and Lee Christensen, the, the string players in our band, they're all over six foot, like big bearded, like burly as hell dudes. And then you got Joe and I, who are like five, seven, five, eight. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I look like I, you know, came straight from like a Blink 182 show, <laughs> you know, and we're always just goofing around and stuff. And that's always been something that people have said about our band that it's like, Oh, you know, you guys play this brutal metal music and like you guys aren't brutal metal dudes. And it's like, no, we're we're not. Like we just play this because that's what we enjoy playing. We we like playing music that makes other people want to fight. You know? <laughs> you know? So like, nice, I'm cool yeah. with that. If I got my barricaded drums blocking me from whatever's going on out there, yeah. but uh, <laughs> but it's just it's it's an awesome feeling yeah. of being able to do that. And like, since Brian uses wireless, one of his things that he'll do at shows, uh, he'll like actually walk out and walk around the crowd mm -hmm. and like, you know, jokefully like push people just to, we like people just to get into it. We like people just, you know, having, having a good time. And it's just like, yeah, we don't take ourselves very seriously, like at all. Uh, 
you know, I kind of always joke with Joe uh, as far as the context behind his lyrical content. Because, uh, like, he... You know, I always kind of joke with him, and it's like, bro, you don't have to try and be as profound as you can. Like, just, <laughs> just write whatever, dude. It'll be fine. Uh, and I just kind of leave that to him. Uh, you know, and that's a, that's another kind of thing. We all just kind of, like, leave each other to do in our respective things. We'll give constri- constructive criticism uh, where we feel necessary. But, yeah, I mean, we're pretty lax in the way of how we take being in a band. Because it's like... Being in a band can be the biggest pain in the ass if you let it be. Um, But then again, you know, that's if you let it be like that. But if you check your ego at the door and you work in a sense to try and just do what is for the best as the song for the song as a whole uh, to where, you know, everybody kind of gets to do their own thing as far as what they're trying to do. That's what matters most at the end of the day. And, you know, that definitely helps. In the sense of the interpersonal communication, you know, uh, communication relationship amongst the band itself. So, but yeah, we're, we're a metal band, but, eh, you know. Yeah. Um, I, uh, what, uh, one of my favorite podcasts is, uh, Burt Kreischer's podcast called The Burt Cast. And his podcast producer, uh, Halston Ray, he, uh, he's talked about how, um, cause he's a metal singer. Yeah. But he looks like just an all-American boy and everything. And he's talked about on the podcast before how he's explained to people, because, like, his girlfriend, he's I think he said on the podcast, he was like, my girlfriend's a valley girl, but I am, like, a metal singer, and she doesn't really get it, you know? And he was like, but the way he's explained it to people, because, like, she and other people have kind of been like, well, are you angry? Because the music is so angry. And he's like, it's more like I'm letting out my feelings in a constructive way. And it's not even necessarily that what you are singing about or even the screaming, it's not even necessarily that you're angry, but it's like, whether you want to accept it or not, everybody has feelings of, you know, uh, I mean, whether it's depression or anxiety or just like things that you don't know how to to deal with. For a lot of people, they, they let it out by dancing or they let it out by, there's all sorts of ways, but for musicians, for people who really are into like metal, that's just one of the ways of expressing it. Uh, I can completely agree with you in that sense. Um, You know, for me, being able to create like that, it's a feeling that I've not been able to be, to to replicate any other way. Um, And I mean, you know, I'm, (laughs) I'm not young by any means. Like I'm gonna be 36 this year and, you know, uh, we've been at it for a really long time. And it's just like one of the most, dialed in that I feel like just in normal everyday life is when I'm at band rehearsal. Cause like, regardless if we're writing on something, if we're writing or if we're running through set because we've got a show coming up or whatever, I'm like, okay, this is where my focus lies. And it kind of becomes like this sense of like self-fulfilling prophecy to where it's just like, well, I got to do it because I've got I've got no other choice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to drive myself insane if I don't do it in that sense. And, you know, it's it, it kind of dragged me through some really, really crappy points in my life to where, like, you know, we normally practice uh, Wednesday evenings and it's like, all right, I know regardless of how my week is going, that's going to be my saving grace. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, we practice at my house and, like, everybody gets to my house by, like, 7.15 on Wednesdays and it's like, 
from then until about 9.30, like, it's go time. Like, you know, check you know, check whatever you, you got going on in your personal life at the door. You can get to that as soon as we're done. If you, you know, need a hug from your bandmate or something, <laughs> yeah. by all means, we will, uh, we will comply with that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's probably the, the most focused that I, that I am in, in, in general. Um, and I can't really picture it any other way in that sense. Um, and that's good. Uh, cause it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, like a dopamine release and just all that, that you can't really get anywhere else. Absolutely. Um, I haven't been to that many, I've never been in a, a metal or like heavier band. And honestly, um, I gotta say, I mean, cause I'm a drummer, I've never, I have a lot of respect for metal drumming because it's hard. I mean, like it, it is, I had. You know, I mainly have played like things more like funk and jazz and just like rock kind of stuff. Yeah. But uh, uh, metal, especially like the way that y'all play, the songs, you know, go through all sorts of changes. It's not like, like, honestly, the way I look at it, it, it as a drummer, I could have played in like a hair metal band like Motley Crue back in the day because a lot of, a lot of it was just, it was very, very, it was very like, just four, four, easy, it, it, pretty simple beats, you know? It, and it wasn't that fast, there was no double bass, there was no like, but uh, honestly, one of the, and I wanted to kind of throw this out there, my favorite metal band is Slipknot. And I know that, I get weird reactions from people about that, because some people kind of are like, oh, like that's like a typical answer. And I'm like, I, for, it, you know, it's who whatever. Who cares, right? Yeah, yeah who fucking cares? Yeah. For, but do you know, the reason I like Slipknot so much, compared to most other metal bands, I think that they have so much more of like a rhythmic base to all their music. And I think that all comes from clown being like the person that the mastermind. runs everything. Yeah. yeah. Because, and I know he, you know, I saw them back in October. It was fucking awesome. They were, they're wonderful. Um, but he basically, all he's really doing for most of the show is hitting a, a keg and like, yeah. you know, it, it, and he's kind of just like, like, I can't really pick out what he's playing during the show, but it's, it's really about, the energy. It's about like, there's him. And then I don't know who the actual other drummer is. That's a, uh... now they have Jay Weinberg. Well, I know he's a drum set player, but they had another guy doing clowns job on the other side of the stage. Oh, uh, yeah. The, you replaced number three. I don't know if he's ever actually been like publicly announced mm. as far as what his true identity mm -hmm. is. I think at one point it was going to be Joey Jordison before he passed another rest in peace. But yeah, uh, but yeah, um, I mean, what, to be able to have, you know, three drummers, two of which being custom percussionists to where they're playing this, yep. this titanium, you know, custom made kit complete with a beer keg with a <laughs> baseball bat, like... That they light on fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, even, you know, Joe Jordison, he was revolutionary for what he did. And even yeah. now, you know, Jay Weinberg, because like... He's, he, he's wonderful. Like, his, I, I think he's a great drummer. Like, Well, I kind of get a kick out of the fact that he's Max Weinberg's son. Dude, me and my friend talked about this in my first episode because, like, I told him that on the episode, and he was like, no shit, that's awesome. That is, it is, and also, dude, I didn't know that that meme of the kid dressed uh, as... Um, as, uh, as, uh, Corey, as, yeah. as, as I, I didn't know that that was Jay Weinberg. Like, cause I'd seen the meme and people use it as a meme of like, when your dad is talking to the, what, you know, it's it, like, when your mom's talking to your friend exactly. at the grocery store and you crapped your pants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you your pants. but then, when, but then when I saw that they like recreated the photo, I was like, that is genius. I love these people. Like that. It just made it hard. Uh, yeah. 
Well, for him to be, because he's in his like early thirties, and for him, yeah, because he played with uh, like bands like Madball, with Against Me, mm-hmm. um, he's done a bunch of different things prior to when he joined Slipknot. Mm-hmm. But it's like that is some big shoes to fill. Like, a, like, so for you, what what band would it be? Like, because he was a Slipknot fan as a kid, what band would be like your ideal band that if you got to like play, if they were like, hey man. We need a drummer. Come on. I mean, I know this is like a dream thing, but you know uh, what I mean? It, it, like, honestly, like... Uh, probably every time I die. Okay. Um, for a couple reasons. First and foremost, because they're from Buffalo, New York. I born. I've been born and raised in Atlanta, but uh, my mom's family is from Buffalo. So every summer growing up, my sister and I would fly up and visit our grandparents there. So it kind of essentially became like a second home to me. A lot of people even think that they're like, you're from Buffalo, right? And it's like, well, not kind of, but not really. So they've got that Buffalo connection. Um, prior to the the most recent drummer that they had, they had uh, Daniel Davison, who is the drummer for Norma Jean and Under Oath. Mm. Um, he uh, recorded their Low Teens album. Um, and he's got that, you know, Metro Atlanta connection. I was going to say, those are, because isn't, because Norma Jean is from, uh, like, west of Atlanta. Like, right? uh, like Cartersville. Yeah, yeah. Like Douglasville, kind of. Uh, yeah, and, uh, like, I remember when I was in high school, like, they were called Ludicrous. That was before they uh, became Norma Jean. So, like, you know, they were kind of, you know, growing up in this area, being into, like, that kind of hardcore kind of scene. It was like, all right. And then he, because, like, I've met... Uh, some of the guys from uh, Every Time I Die on uh, multiple occasions. Um, their vocalist, Keith Buckley, was actually actually uh, played uh, a couple years back. He was in a like a 90s cover band called uh, Soul Patch, hmm. where they do a bunch of like Weezer, Goo Goo Dolls. I would think a band called Soul Patch would be more like a 70s cover band, but I guess Soul Patches were Or like, a, too? like an early 2000s like new metal. Cover, yeah. Like a crazy, <laughs> yeah. Uh, crazy cover band. <laughs> But I got the opportunity, um, my uncle and I went and saw them uh, at this spot up in downtown Buffalo, mm-hmm. and I was just like, this is the coolest. Like, how am I here yeah. right now? And, uh, you know, I, I was lucky enough to where me and a couple of my close friends were able to see them uh, at Furnace Fest in Birmingham last year, mm-hmm. uh, where we didn't know at the time, uh, but that was going to be the last chance we ever saw them, because they unfortunately broke up due to some uh internal conflicts within the band hopefully they'll be back soon enough in a couple years we'll see but uh but yeah if they were like hey we're starting back up and we need a drummer i would tell the boy the subdivisions boys i love y'all but (laughs) and none of them would blame me in the in the the slightest for that but that that or you know the descendants just Mm -hmm. because they're you know revolutionary that style they're like one of the first pop punk bands that ever started uh and i mean their drummer bill stevenson he was in black flag Mm -hmm. he's a he's a producer uh based out of like fort collins colorado now um but yeah i mean those would probably be the first two but other other than that i probably get the most out of what i do with brian and joe and james and lee oh yeah it was just a fun question because because that that never happens that there's a guy who's like, you know, a big fan of a band as a kid. And then they, because most bands aren't even around for 20 plus years for you to get to play drums for them. You know, I mean like 20, well, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. a band like Slipknot that you, especially since, you know, they've had members die, they've had like all sorts of things happen. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, it was just a fun question. Um, 
I think we're probably gonna wrap things up, you okay. know, around here. But why don't we go ahead and uh, promote everything before you promote uh, stuff individually in case you weren't gonna do this. I did wanna say that um, in 2020, I believe it was 2020 when I did the uh, the visual video for y'all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so in 2020, and you can still find this on the Subdivisions YouTube page, um, I actually created a visual video for Subdivisions for their cover of Slice Paper Wrist by Poison the Well. Um, so that is one thing awesome, I just wanted to- did an awesome job. I, I, I mean, I, I really liked y'all's cover. Something I was confused about and found interesting, YouTube was able to tell that it was a cover of that song. And I was like, really? Because to me, I was like, this is, because to me, like I knew that you couldn't use the actual recording of something and it like notices it, but YouTube was like, this is a cover of Slice yeah. Paper And I was like, how does it, like, it, it's kind of crazy to me that I could be singing some, like, you know, Disney song and then YouTube's gonna be like, uh, no, you can't yeah. use that because you're singing a Little Mermaid song and, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, I just wanna throw that out there as a, a promotion that that is out there. That's something we collaborated on. Um, but yeah, go ahead and, you know, promote anything you wanna promote. Sure. Um, so going back to the socials, you can find us on uh, YouTube under subdivisions where you can check out our Slice Paper Wrist Poison the Well cover visual video. We've also got our uh, videos for Pry and then our latest single Far Beyond, uh, both of which uh, done by Josh Thompson of J. Thompson Media. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Subdivisions, hyphen GA, Instagram, at Subdivisions GA. Um, our next we got a couple shows coming up. Uh, the main one is on uh, March 26th, which is a Saturday. We were playing at the Drunken Unicorn with Sadistic Ritual, Crypt, and Black Mass. Uh, we've got a couple other shows. We're going to be playing at um, New Place Sabbath Brewery, which is actually right across from 529 in the East Atlanta Village. That's on uh, April 14th, Thursday. Um, we're... I think I might or might not have the date. Check the socials. Uh, and then we will uh, have the correct dates right yeah. in here. Uh, and then uh, we are looking to be playing at a uh, little cottage brewery in Avondale Estates in May. Uh, we'll have another show in June, but we're also just going to be continuing to uh, finish working on an upcoming EP, which is not named nor any sort of release date yet, but hopefully by the end of the year. Um, but we definitely appreciate the ongoing support. Uh, and uh, yeah, we look forward to actually seeing you and actually being able to be on stage in 2022. It's been a long time coming, but uh, that's awesome. That's awesome that you, uh, you guys have a show at Sabbath Brewing and you're looking at a little cottage and everything because I was gonna actually suggest because those are like heavy metal breweries. Yeah. That those, those would be great places. And I've seen a show there before at Sabbath. Uh, it's good beer, good, I mean, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, we haven't yet to be there yet. We've been to Little Cottage, um, which we actually know one of the, like the bar managers up there, he was who hit me up. Shout out Will Reynolds, good good friend. And James Reynolds, his brother. Because Shout had, out James Reynolds. Because we actually found out uh, earlier that- It's a mutual uh, connection. Yeah, yeah. mutual so. connection. And uh, I love the, the brothers Reynolds very much. But, uh, yeah, we're just gonna be playing at uh you know all these new places uh around the metro area, metro area just uh definitely glad people want to have us and we'll yeah that's come awesome and, come and wreck stuff so that's awesome 
Well, uh, everybody, check out Subdivisions uh, everywhere that they have music. And um, you can find us on YouTube at Psychoactivision. You can find us on Instagram at Psychoactivision. We, you can find Psychoactivision Presents on uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. And yeah, man, this has been a lot of fun. So Absolutely. thank you for doing it. Yeah, yeah thank you for awesome. having me. And yeah. uh, look, looking forward to seeing you again. Yeah, I need to come out to a show. <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. All righty. Appreciate it.